Welcome to First and Fifteen, the show that takes you around the UK flag football scene. Sponsored by Nuola, your customised sportswear supplier. So we've now got another episode of First and Fifteen's podcast, Ultimate Teammates. And we are joined by Leicester Eagles legend. I'm going to put legend in there. And GB Women's, I think you were offensive coach? Yeah, OC, yeah. There we go. Mick, how are you doing today? Yes, I'm very good, thank you. How are you, Marcus? It's another wonderful day. We'll get to... <laughs> Indeed. Yeah, but maybe we'll have something to talk about by the end of the year. Maybe maybe some sort of real-life football going on. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. But although we can play in England, not like Guernsey and... Denmark, I think, is the only other one that I've seen going on at the moment. Yeah, that's it. Looking at wistfully on the Kazakhstan flag league or something, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Because I'm going to start looking to see if they've actually got one. I didn't, know, <laughs> I didn't realise that Guernsey had a flag league before this. <laughs> so, you're following on from Louise Cleaver, who, at this point, I've, I've just messaged her now, she has just hit over 100 listens to her episode. Wow. First first of the Ultimate Teammates to do that. I think the next one is on like 92, but that's two people put together. So that's a good... You've got like a, a nice little target there for you now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe I should message, message Lou and ask her to listen to mine to bump my numbers up, pad the, uh, pad the numbers out. That's it. If you free, uh, press F5, doesn't it refresh your Internet Explorer? You can just you know, <laughs> press F5 all day now. So, as an offensive coordinator, we're going to start an offense first. Who is your quarterback for your ultimate teammates? Okay, so um, I guess I've played with regularly, played with and coached um, relatively few quarterbacks. Um, there are only really two that, that came into into my mind here. Um, uh, John Pimperton, I think, gets an honourable mention here, um, was uh, was the, my first QB, I guess, with the Eagles. And, and obviously myself and yourself know him well. Um, but I am going to shamelessly copy Lou and I'm putting Millie Barrett as my quarterback. Um, so I, I just think, you know, that the... the um, the progression that I've seen from Millie and just the way she plays the game, the way she coaches the Cougars, the way she's she's an on-field coach at Cougars and at, at, at GB, um, the way she asks questions of the game, physically how she's developed. She's come, she's physically come on, you know, with her deep ball um, in the last few years. She's really added that to her game. She's got an incredible patience um, at QB. She can, she can move around. If the play breaks down, she's always going to be able to buy you another couple of seconds, but she's got a great patience. She'll, she'll rarely kind of throw it into a, into a tricky situation. And um, yeah, I, I just think not only as a, uh, as a, a women's player, but I think as a, as a, as a player in general across across the mixed code, she's she's one of the best quarterbacks I've uh, I've seen all round. Um, really, I think she's uh, she's an absolute superstar. I mean, I can't fault your honourable mention or your your starting one. I mean, John Pimpton, <laughs> John Pimpton went made my ultimate teammates, and Millie played against her many many times, and it is it's always one of those awkward ones where you play against. She is an absolutely brilliant quarterback. Uh, moving on to your centre, who have you got? 
Yeah, so so we're going to go into the uh, into the annals of history somewhat, um, and a guy that is no longer around the uh, the flag scene or the football scene at all. And I'm going to choose Charlie Craggs. Um, I am going to stick my neck on the line, and I'm going to say, in terms of a flag only player, I've never played with anyone as good as Charlie. Um, Charlie at if you look at Charlie when he broke into the Eagles first team he played in the year that we made the British final at senior in 2008 and we made the final uh, or we made the finals at youth at the same year he played in both sides so he must have been 17 at that point and he was already the best player in in most of those games um just just physically how he developed inside a couple of years from um being kind of quite a, a relatively scrawny I guess you know lanky lanky kid to just being this athletic kind of 6'2 guy or whatever he was ridiculously fast he's one of these people he you could almost describe him as languid like you know his leg turnover just wasn't there but his stride length he was so fast I remember seeing him um go to I think it was some England trials that we had after a, a tournament back maybe the first days of being back under Baffer or maybe the end of the ESFL and they did a they a few of the Eagles players tried out for the England setup. Um, James Pimperton tried out, and then uh, and then Charlie tried out as well. And Charlie absolutely crucified James in the forty-yard dash. It was it was eye-wateringly fast. Um, how quick he was! Superb hands, uh, ran impeccable routes. One of the best route runners I've ever seen. Maybe not the vo- most vocal um, of of guys. I think when he when I started playing with him, when I um, when it became QB, one of the things that I used to try and encourage him was tell me what it was you're seeing. There were a lot of guys coming back to the huddle, maybe with a bit more feedback. And I think that was generally just because Chaz was just such a nice guy. I just don't really think he wanted to kind of say we should be doing this because perhaps at that time he thought I don't want him to think I'm criticising. But um, yeah, Charlie uh, Charlie Craggs, I. I I, I can't put anyone else at the centre. I think um, outside of Charlie, just a phenomenal player, and I think a real um, a real loss when he uh, when he when he stopped playing and went off to university. I think I played alongside Charlie maybe like a year or something like that. Yeah, yeah. So he so he he played all the way through and um, really um, through. The youth. When I first knew him, he was a youth player. He was still in the youth setup with Ed and Mike Ward uh, and um, people of that ilk. He's kind of similar sort of age there. Martin, I think he's maybe marginally younger than Martin, but he was in that similar sort of side. Um, and yeah, he started training with seniors after that. And then, as I say, we put him in in, in 2008. Um, and then in 2009, which was the London Rebels first year, I remember talking to Brad, who used to be the quarterback back for the Rebels in, in their first few years. And he talked to us about how um, he looked around the sides in the, in, in the league at that time, and there was only kind of eight, ten of, of the sides or whatever there was. And he said, we were the only ones who put our best player at centre. And he said they just, they just struggled game after game every time that we played the Rebels to cover him because they just said we, we just hadn't got defences set up at that point to cover the centre because everybody else wasn't putting, uh, you know, a ridiculously fast 6'2 athletic guy who could catch at centre. And I remember in 2009, when we, we when we got to the final to, to play Kikoni, he crucified teams that, that year. There, there were just some teams that he just, he was just so, so good. So good. Yeah. I miss him. I miss you, Charlie, if you listen. There's the callback now for the, for the Leicester 
reunion tour. <laughs> for the Leicester reunion tour, yeah. I mean, centre's always been one of those weird positions where I think we, we mentioned on the, the Louise episode when we talked about defence, that the blitzer was the sort of like the, you know, you, if you're a new player, you play on defence, we'll put you in as blitzer just to kind of, you know, it's run seven yards and that's it. And then I think centre sort of was at one point the, uh, the that that sort of role in the offensive one of just snap the ball. You, you're not going to run like the full length of the pitch on a fly. You're just going to be like a dump off option if if we need to. And that that's how we've done it at the Raccoons for the past couple of years. You mentioned that you've got a six foot two athletic person as as your centre, and that was the the bit that changed your team. Uh, at the Raccoons at the moment, or last season I played, we, we had Luke, who's a he's a four foot two athletic person. <laughs> that will a, gen- a, gener- a generous four foot two there. Mark, <laughs> four foot two with studs on. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, it's it's an interesting point because I think um, I think probably outside of Chart, because you obviously centre is a really. Um, is quite a specialist position. It's, it's really, really tricky. It takes, um, it does take some skill. There. But I think about the guys that that maybe I've um, played with. If we kind of ignore the coaching um, side of things, but the guys that I've played with at the Eagles, you're exactly right. I, outside of that, it's probably kind of a big target. Maybe not the most athletic. You know, um, we had Paddy played there, for, who who handed over to Charlie, and then later um, Martin Wilder. Um, not saying that, that they that they weren't great players because they absolutely were, but they weren't they weren't a Charlie. You know that it was a completely different way of doing it. But there's value in both of them, to be fair, right? Because you know you know in in red zone offense and things like that, short yardage, extra points. You need that big target almost sometimes. You need you need that that target there. But certainly in um, in in 2009. Um, when we got to the to the British finals, we changed where I moved on to the offense, and we changed around where the offensive wasn't. So it was almost like there were three new starters, I think, on the offense that year: myself, Chris Brown, and uh, Charlie Craggs. And it was just, as I say, it just you just pushed us to the next level um, that year. Um, and Charlie was a huge part of that. Huge part of that. So moving on to your receivers, who have you got on either side? Okie doke. So um, I'm going to go for my first outside receiver. Um, uh, game time decision. Okay, my first outside receiver, I'm going to go for uh, my friend uh, Fernando Castillo. Uh, played at the Eagles um, for three years, I think. Uh, he used to play internationally for Venezuela, came over, lived in Loughborough. Um, and found us sorters out and uh, what a player I mean what a ridiculous player as well um, just I've never seen anyone get airborne unnecessarily as much as he does um, you know he made even the the easiest of grabs look absurdly spectacular he'd do them with one hand or he'd, he'd kind of catch it almost between his legs you know on defence he was diving around to make tackles like a, a latter day Rich Manning um, but the, the, probably my abiding memory of, of, of Fernando is he was like the Carl Court or the Darren Anderton of, of the Leicester Eagles, a wonderfully athletic player, used to throw himself around, but he spent half of each season on the sidelines injured. He was, he was literally made of glass. It was, it was ridiculous. I mean, he, he was a big part of the side in 2014. 
um, where we, I guess, we assembled a, a, a small but really talented squad. Certainly, one of the most athletic sides we've had at the Eagles. Um, and and he missed the uh, he missed the finals through injury because he got injured about three or four games earlier. Missed the end of the season. Missed the running and missed the finals. Um, but uh, but yeah, I, I don't know if you ever cross paths. I'm trying to think. You were probably out of the game at that point um, when he was playing. But I think he got voted in pulling flags uh, team of the year that year, um, or, or or was certainly in in the the the, the rundown of, of players that they did um, because uh, you know he had velcro hands um i had a chuck about with him early this year and he still got ridiculous hands i threw him one pass that was about um five yards ahead of him he made a dive got his fingertips doing it, it just stuck um so prob- probably one of the best set of hands uh, that i've ever played with um nothing ever seems to be beyond him because of his his fearlessness and just kind of his his diving in um you could just put it around him and and he would have a chance of of doing it we even managed to play him get him playing when he was fit on defense as well um and and even there it was like you know if, if you set up like a zone or something put a bit of pressure on and set up pick it was like right fernando go up and get it and he'd find a way to kind of go up and get it so um yeah for pure playmaking ability and entertainment for the 10 minutes per game he's fit, I'm going to go for Fernando. I'm hoping you've got a decent sub lined up just in case. <laughs> so who, who's on the other side of the field? Now, this one um, I had a real, real debate about um, because uh, I wanted a real kind of top-level receiver. Um, I think uh, some of the names that I was considering here, um, James Hossack, uh, I only played with Hoss relatively sparingly but what a player again had a chuck he was part of the same chuck around early this year still a phenomenal player um even after relatively speaking all these years um amy wells um and uh steph uh, as well steph warren um but i have gone for um purely just on trying to ensure that my uh, my side has as much talent as I can. Also, given that I've given up a couple of positions to people that I uh, that I enjoy being around, maybe more so than their talent. Um, but I've, I've got to go with Grace Conway um, as my other receiver. Um, again, I, th- I think the two big things that I would say about Grace and the two big things that are just hugely impressive uh, about Grace, um, outside of her obvious natural kind of athletic ability, naturally, she's insanely... Um, athletic and again even in the mixed game she she compares you know she's fearless she's strong she jumps like anything she's quick um runs excellent routes great pair of hands um there are two things really that i think um that i think really impressed me and and i really like about grace is the exponential improvement even from a very good baseline that 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 uh, that's happened in the last few years I think when I first encountered Grace, I think she was playing for the Cougars Juniors um, or the, the Cougars Youth, their, their, their um, kind of second team. I think I saw her play once or twice there before she moved into their first team. But since then, just the improvement has just been ridiculous. Um, and, and in my latter days at, at GB, she, she'd established herself in the squad. Um, kind of a, a little while before and then had become one of the, the best players undoubtedly in that squad and and played exceptionally well um, you know kind of after that and has been, been a big part of, uh, of their success um, the other thing that I really like about uh, Grace is and I noticed it from a very early um, 
very early on when I started um, doing some work in the women's game. When she plays, she plays very, very hard, but very, very fair. But she's so laser focused. I, she's not really on, on the field, doesn't really kind of engage in too, too many niceties, too much banter or anything like that. She's just absolutely laser focused on, on, on winning. But it's not, it's not kind of in, a, in any kind of an arrogant or negative way. It's just she's so focused on what she does. And I think that that, that kind of reflects in her, imp- in her improvement. I think she clearly has very, very high goals for herself. Um, and she wants to get there, and that has um, that you've seen that in the improvement. But yeah, she's she's one of the most focused players I've ever seen on on a football field. But plays the game very very hard and very very fair. You know, I, I can't think of of many times that I've sort of thought, oh, you know, that that's borderline. You know, she uses, you know, she uses her physicality and athleticism in the right way. Um, she's aggressive in a positive way to the ball. Um, so yeah, so great Grace is in there. I think um, on. Uh, um, on on being probably the best uh, the best player on the uh, on the offense, as I said. So you've got your your one last receiver. Are you are you thinking like a an all out receiver? You put in more of a, like a slot running back type slot uh, position. I'm not going to go for a running back, but I am going to put in um, a a slot slash uh, a tight end. Now, this player, um, I initially had on defense but because of who else i put in um i've had to move him across uh to offense um and it is james pimpton so i'm going to play james pimpton at slots um probably known better as a linebacker but in his latter years certainly when um the nine on nine game died um and it became five on five was the exclusive uh was the exclusive code of the game in this country um he started on offense and defense um and he was the top point scorer on offense so he was the best player on our side on on offense and he was the best player on our side really on defense so i think i can fit him in here um james is one of those players that i mean if you looked at him technically and he'd probably admit this himself he kind of body catches you know as a coach um now having coached for a few years if I was starting somebody out, would I teach them to catch a bit more away from the body with the hands and everything? Yeah, but it doesn't matter. I don't think it matters because he he, he just used to catch so much. But he's a big physical uh, physical presence. Um, again, deceptively fast because of his height and because of his, his stride. But I think elusive, his elusiveness um, is astonishing given that he's not kind of that Luke or Kelly Barrett type type. Um, Shad, you know, you know, uh, type player where he's 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 running around low center of gravity, um, making cuts, dipping, and everything like that. He just had this one spin um, that I just never really understood how he was so good at it. I remember him once in in, in a five on five game, and I think by the end of the play, he was surrounded by every single defender, and he still managed to evade the tackle for about five or six seconds and make about another six, five or six yards because he just kept doing this spin. He, he kind of like had this. Um, hip spin where he kind of went once and then went again but the second time he went he moved his hips around so fast that you could you just couldn't get near the flags and then he'd be able to he'd be able to plant his foot and go back the other way it was it was astonishing he'd just extend plays um again and again and again and we're talking about i think in andrew's episode when i first started drafting these up i started thinking about okay who are the best players that I've ever played with. And undoubtedly, James is one of those. Um, don't get me wrong. Um, but but I also, there was a comment that, um, apologies, that's my cat jumping onto my lap. Um, uh, there, was, um, there was a comment that Andrew made 
read um, as well about kind of teammates is is who you kind of have an affinity with, who um, you've got on with and, and who you want to go on. I think you mentioned it, who you want to go on a road trip with. Um, and yeah, Pimp's just been, it was a big part of that. He was a big part of the Eagles identity and culture at the time quite similar to me in age I think he's about a year older than me so I, I, I got on with him um, we did an Eagles reunion in January and, and uh, yeah I sat down before we all went up to the room and I had a pint with him and his brother um, before we went up and it was just like old times really I mean the fact that we we, we you know we, both me and James now had, had little ones you know it just meant we were talking about kids rather than you know talking about um, talking about anything else so um, he's also in there because he's, he's a good friend um, really good guy um, and yeah, I think um, I think until maybe latterly some of my days with the GB setup, um, I would have rated him as one of the best flag only players I've ever seen. I still would. He's he's in my ultimate team. He's still one of the best flag only players I've ever seen. Um, uh, but yeah, James Pimperton, I think crowbarred in there because how of how good he was. Um, but probably I would have had him on my defence if if I could have squeezed him in. I mean, he, he made my squad. I think I put him as a as a linebacker. As you said, he was an amazing linebacker, but he was also a, a great offensive player as well. And the catching is one thing that I do remember of his. Uh, he he would catch like a like a running back taking a handoff is the only way that exactly was, right. Yeah, he he would clamp down. And Andrew mentioned it as well when you talk about it and go, you you know you shouldn't catch like that. And you go, but I caught it. Yeah, precisely. Well, you can't argue with that logic in the, in you, the end of it. You, you you really cannot. And I think it's um, and I think it's when when I when I started out coaching, kind of almost before when I just kind of started helping out at the Eagles, and before I had too much, started looking into it and doing some research. I think I just had a bit of a desire, really, to um, to almost kind of have a, have a bit of go. At it. I, I almost had this philosophy of if you get a new player. Maybe right now I would start off with um, start off with some some technique stuff and uh, and some drills and things like that. But at that time, if I started off with a new player, I would almost just throw them a ball and, and kind of see what happened. And if they caught it five times out of five, I wouldn't try and tweak it too much sometimes because it's like if you caught it, that's it. But as you say, you know, you know, yeah, James not a not a textbook style, but he made it work. Like say, he kind of had this. He kind of brought his he he brought his body over it um caught into his body his, his elbows you know his elbows were, were kind of quite classic i remember once against um the london liberty i think it was in 2006 right at the last knockings of the esfl um we played in leicester and it was back and forth with them maybe it was the sharks either way he, and, and he, he he had this um corner route and he pulled off just one of the best catches I think I've ever seen, um, where where John rolled out to his right. Um, his brother basically went over the front front corner of the end zone, planted both feet, brought it in. But it was a total, as you say, brought it into his body, caught it basically with his elbows, kind of just completely smothered the ball, managed to plant his feet and just fell out of bounds. Out, you know, It was just phenomenal. But as a coach they might have looked at it and just gone yeah that wasn't the right technique but it won as the game and and he was full of plays like that um so yeah yeah pimp's got to be in there definitely so moving on to your defense now uh who's your what sort what sort of formation are we looking at i know everyone's going to be moving around everywhere but what what are yeah. you lining these guys up first yeah so um i am going to play the eagles been out of of 
commission for a little while, right? So I guess I can talk about some of our old defences. I, I, I fitted these into what to a two-rotate. I don't know whether you ever played the two-rotate, but I think that was maybe Marsley after your time. So two-rotate is basically you line up with uh, three linebackers um, or three underneath defenders about seven yards off, one of the three blitzes, and then you have a variety of... of um, formation shifts that you've got after that basically so that's why so i guess my first honorable mention on defense is rich manning initially made it in um as my blitzer but I, because i wanted to play this system i don't have a dedicated blitzer so unfortunately rich manning had to uh, uh had to fall by the wayside so um i'm gonna go with start with underneath defenders uh, and i think my first choice is also going to be my club captain um and again shamelessly stealing from lou here it's going to be ellie thorpe um, so Ellie is, uh, I, when, I don't want to say when I left, uh, the, uh, the women's game, but I guess when I kind of, um, took a, a step away at the time from, um, actively watching, um, and, and attending kind of the women's game and the, and the domestic game and being part of GB, I rated Ellie as all round the best, um, women's player in the country, um, you know, was she out and out the best uh, receiver? No, probably not. But I guess all round in 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 what she offered and and, and everything else, I I rated her as as all round. I think the best player in the women's game. Um, just I, the reason I would make her club captain is because I think she's one of those uh, players that just leads by example. Um, uh, you know, Lou was so right in terms of in terms of she wants to get absolutely everything nailed down. She asks questions, she asks questions in the right way, she challenges things in the right way. Um, the most impressive thing about Ellie in that regard is she will ask questions um, away from the field, and then she's able to apply them on the field, which is really really tricky sometimes. You, know, you can almost kind of overthink things off the field. Well, okay, what happens if you do this? What happens if you do that? And certainly, when I used to coach a bit of defense with the Eagles, I would always try and show people defense. I would kind of talk through some of the basics, but then it was like, right, we'll we'll, we'll run a few scrimmages, and if if you've got any queries. Or, or you've got any questions, we'll kind of talk you through it as it's happening. So for Ellie to be so um, kind of dedicated to get everything down, get all the calls down, to get all of the um, all of the uh, shifts and the rotations and everything down, and then to be able to go out and you could see her applying that in game and on the field, uh, just just phenomenally impressive. Um, again, you know, I think pretty much everyone's in here as well is a, is a is a damn good person. Ellie's an absolutely fantastic person, great person to be around, great person to um uh to be kind of uh, teammates with. Granted, it was it, well, I was I was a coach, but you know, as part of the whole setup, just a great person to be around. Um, so intelligent, and as I say, I've I've made a captain just because I think she just leads by example. Her dedication um to to get in everything and understanding everything understanding the why behind everything why is it you're asking us to do this what 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 is it you need me why is it you need me to do this um yeah any thoughts got to be in there i know i've got to agree with the, the questions i mean we went to big bowl um and we were asked to get with me robin pod and Ellie was on the defense. And we only had a few training sessions beforehand. We were sort of like mixing them in with the Wolverines training at the time and a few non-Wolverines training sessions. And it was, it's one of those ones where some people where they will ask questions on every single play and you're kind of sitting there going, you're asking too many. But you, every question she asked wasn't met with like, okay, no. It was always like, okay, are you sure this is what we're doing? And, and it was like, the questions were always decent questions. That's, 
I think that was the main one that I didn't mind when she was asking the questions. Yeah, I, I remember when I introduced my first, um, I introduced my first playbook um, at a gym session uh, for GB. I introduced my first um, gym playbook, a gym session for GB, and I spoke about um, the system that I put in or the system that I wanted to try and put in. Um, I, I talked about the difference between what's called rote learning. So, so let's say you're teaching somebody something on a piano. Um, and you can teach them what keys to press. But if they don't know how to read music, they're not going to be a good piano player. They could go out and play, you know, Beethoven's Fifth just by learning what keys to press. But if they don't know why they're doing it and everything, um, they're not going to understand the theory. And I think um, I always try to promote that as much as I can in my coaching. I know that Phil did. Um, and I think Ellie was, um, you know, she took that on so well, as you say, in terms of the questions that she asked, it was because she clearly wanted to understand the why behind it. Um, you know, and there, there were lots, there were lots of, of, of players at, at GB at the time um, that, that did that as well. I think they kind of really, um, really took that. But, but Ellie stood out for me, she, you know, you know, uh, as I say, that the, trying to understand what it what it was um that, that certainly phil was looking for i was playing predominantly on defense and why but then being being able to apply that on the field and see her applying that thinking on the field hugely impressive yeah hugely impressive player so who's your next defensive player in your in your team okay so my next defensive player and i think my vice captain in this side uh, is um ed waters um Ed, um, I mentioned it earlier, started out um, as, well, he was a youth player when I joined the Eagles, so he was just about graduating. Again, he broke into the, um, into the senior side about the same time as Charlie, so about 2008. Um, then he, he played 2009, and he was kind of in and out. I think he was because he went down to, um, he went down to Bristol um for union i think he stayed there actually he lived there so he played for us for a good few years he you know he he, he played for us in the brit bowl year 2014 which i think was the last um uh was the last um was the last time he played so he played over quite a spread um but again for, for similar reasons to um to ellie just led by example a, a really kind of quietly spoken, relatively speaking, um, player, but would not be afraid to come back to the huddle and just say, right, this is this is what we're doing next. I remember he's quite a measured individual. Um, he's quite a measured individual. And uh, we played in um, Sheffield. And there are two stories here that I think are, are just are just wonderful about about Ed and, and just, just one of the reasons why I love him as a guy. Um, so we, we played... We were, I can't remember which team it was we were playing, but, but he, he was playing an offence with, um, uh, with us and we were a score down, I believe, or maybe we were even a score up. And he said, he, he, he was starting uh, as a receiver at that point and he came back into the huddle. He, he charged back into the huddle after one play and he just said, motion me into slot, the safety's going to step across, send me on a slant and up and I'm going to gain about 15 yards. I went, absolutely fine, let's do it. Call, called the same play for everybody else and uh, that that was Eddie's play. So um, started my cadence. He motioned in. Uh, the safety did exactly what he said. Came about 15 yards across the field to stand in the middle. Um, I saw a little twinkle in Eddie's eye. He went slanting up, caught the ball, first down, about 20 yards. Turned around, 
referees were having a, a bit of a discussion and they called it back for a false start on one of uh, on one of the uh, one of the other receivers that they hadn't called before the uh, before the play went away and it was one of the most angry I've ever seen Eddie get at, at anyone else um the air was relatively speaking blue at this guy who'd only played with us for about a year but yeah I did, he was not happy in any way shape or form um, but then there was another, uh, and I think this is probably my my very favourite Ed, Ed Water story. So the the year that, that this happened, we went, and I, I struggled to place the years. I think it was either twenty twelve or twenty thirteen. We went as a as a team. We went um, four and twelve, but we lost two games on last minute scores, and we lost two games by a single point. So in another world, it could have easily been eight and eight. And we, we were a developing side at that point. Very, very last game of the season, we were playing against the um, Sheffield Predators that they became, but they weren't. What were they before the Predators, Marcus? Um, no, didn't they, didn't they, weren't they the Giants now, but they were the Predators? They were the Predators. Maybe they started out as the Predators. Maybe They've they did. the Giants. Yeah, then the Giants. Maybe, maybe I've got it the wrong way around. But we're, we're playing against those guys. Those guys needed to win um, the last game of the season or our last game. It needed to beat us basically to make the uh, to make the playoffs. We scored with about, I think Charlie scored in the corner of the end zone with about uh, 13, 10, 12, 13 seconds to go or something. Um, and uh, so we're point down. And at that point, if... Um, if the game was drawn, it would go to overtime. There weren't any any ties at that point. It would go to overtime, and I think it went to a shootout. And so I, of course, in the in the Eagles tradition, and unless you're you're two points down, I'll go for one, please, sir. To it was Adam Spanswick from the Wooden Warriors, and Eddie just ran up to me and just said, "Whoa, whoa, 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 whoa. what what happens if we draw?" And I said, um, "And I said, well, it, we it goes to overtime." And he, he scoffed at me, actively scoffed at me. And he said, like, excuse me for swearing. He said, nah, fuck that. Let's go for two. I want to go to the pub. So um, we went for two. And honestly, honestly, Ad, Adam said to me after the game, he said, the look on the Sheffield players' faces when you said you were going for two, he said, was was priceless. Unfortunately, we didn't get it. But I just, it was just, yeah, it was just one of the best Eddie moments ever. Yeah, I just sort of thought he was like, nah, I don't, I don't, I don't want overtime. Let, let's, let's win or lose. We want to go. We want to go for a beer. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, I think I think when he went down to when he did go to uni um, and he played for he played for the Bullets, Udui Bullets. Um, uh, he immeasurably improved him as um, as a player, and when he came back, he was just so so intelligent in the Great Eagles mould. He was such an intelligent footballer and just really really quiet, relatively speaking, but. Um, athletically a good player but led by example um really on, on everything you know just called a good game was basically defensive captain anytime he stepped onto the field for us just knew exactly where people should be and what they should do um and uh and, and yeah great guy I've not seen him in a long long while um so ed waters my second defense so i i mean at the start when you mentioned the nine on nine football I mean, it's not something that you hear very often. I think it's covered in mine, <laughs> mine, yours, and Andrew's, and that's it. And, <laughs> I mean, now now that Baff is going to the trying out the seven man, and how people go, oh yeah, maybe we could try out different ones. I'm certainly going. Is nine man going to make a comeback? And I so it's one of those weird ones that I don't feel as old now when you say that you, when you mentioned nine on nine as well. So I'm not the only one who remembers it. 
I mean, I mean, I think you would get you we, you you would be at risk of of encouraging some people who probably shouldn't step out onto the football field again stepping out if if nine on nine came back. Um, I was only at the very 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 last knockings of it, but of course the Eagles being the Eagles, we had a few we had a few intra squad nine on nine games back in the day. Yeah, wonderful game, absolutely wonderful game of, of football. But then it does make me feel old with the fact that I play, I think I played with Ed for a bit. And I, I, I vaguely remember trying to cry because you said that you know they they came out of the youth system. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's terrible. Like I mean, I remember going back. This has gone back a long time. I remember Luke Gamble being a cadet. Wow. And now he's a senior football player on the same team, and it's 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 great. But it, it makes you feel so old at that point. <laughs> um, so who's your other your other defensive frontman? You've got. Okay, so uh, I'm going um, for very much the teammate thing here because I looked at it in balance, and I think I've got a strong side. I think um, I, I have even with even with this guy, and I've got a strong side. But let's be under no illusion. The next time I speak to him, I will tell him this, and I will encourage him to listen to this. He is in solely on the strength of of how much I love him as a bloke. Um, it's it's Chris Noon. Um, Chris Noon is my uh, is my third. I can see you laughing. Um, is my third underneath defender. I mean, yeah, he's 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 a decent player, but what a guy! What a guy to have around the club. He's, he had two stints with the Eagles. He's just an absolutely lovely, hilarious bloke. I just I I I, I crack up almost just when I see. Uh, when I see Chris Noon, um, I just think he's he's wonderful. In in his second stint with the uh, in his second stint with the Eagles, he came back with Adam Brindley and um, uh, a, a new guy in inverted commas that somebody they know that's now a good friend of mine, Ben Stapleford, and the three of them together. It was like it was like a comedy sketch every single training session. It was just brilliant, and it reminded me, and it does remind me of why. Um, of why I, I enjoyed being part of the Eagles, you know, the football and, and being competitive for, for chunks of, of time with the Eagles was part of it. And the fact that I cared, um, you know, about that and wanted to do well, but it was kind of people that kept me there. It was caring about the people as well and, and kind of giving them that outlet. Um, and Nooney just typifies that, um, you know, I think probably his greatest moment ever on a football field was we played um, around about 2016, 17, something like that. I think we played against the Plymouth Buccaneers and I think he scored a touchdown um, where he kind of did, I think he was playing slot, how he ended up on offense. I don't know. He must've been short that day or something. Um, but he, he did, he did this about a seven yard out and he pushed the, he pushed the defender back, got about a yard separation. Now, Chris isn't, isn't a, tall player um he's not a particularly you know he's not got a big wingspan or anything like that um and i think uh it was neil playing qb that day i think neil played or, or in that game and he fired a lovely pass on the out but you're thinking if this is going to me for example at six foot you know relatively pacey back in the day i've got a chance of getting there you're thinking He's thrown a nice ball, but I think that's a bit beyond Chris Noon. Noon kind of lengthens his stride a little bit, sticks his left hand out and, and plucks it out of the air without breaking stride, grabs it one-handed and goes into the corner of the end zone. It was just, it was just, you know, like it was like something from the Twilight Zone. You know, who are you and what have you done with Chris Noon? 
Um, and I think he squeals like a little, like a, 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 a little boy that's that's had his um, his toe stood on or something, you know, when he uh, when he caught it. But um, yeah, I mean, look, there are so many stories I could tell you about Chris Noon that I find hilarious that just nobody else really would get. You know, for example, I can tell you about the time that you rang up St Mirren uh, to try and engineer a uh, to try and engineer a transfer for one of their players. Um, but you know, just just generally, just he's just an an absolutely wonderful, wonderful bloke, and so I could not have uh, my dream team without without my mate Chris Noon. I mean, I'm trying to remember if I've got this wrong now, and if I got it wrong, it's not going to work out at all. But you say that not very athletic. Didn't he have a race with someone? Yeah, he had a race with it was it was Vinay when uh, when Vinay played for us. And and to be fair, it was it was the impetuousness of youth, really, because um, Vinay was sort of I can't remember where the banter started, but but basically Vinay was just sort of like made it made an offhand comment about about how slow Noon he was, and Noon was like, right, well I'll race you then, basically, and and Vinay was like, yeah, fine, and um, yeah, I mean Noon's a bit like a bear, very very dangerous over short distances. And yeah, he took off, and and um, yeah, Vene was was embarrassed. And I think there's a nice gif. I think Neil um, has still got a, a really nice gif of uh, of, um, of of Nooney running into the distance. And um, I can't remember what the bet was. I think it was a million pounds or something. So I imagine that's probably still outstanding. Um, I don't think Vene's uh, probably paid up. Um, but uh, but yeah, that was. Uh, yeah, as I say, like a bear, very dangerous over short distances. It's weird that you mentioned that, the fact that he's now, Vinny's now training at the Raccoons, and we, I was talking to him the other day, and I don't know how it came up in the conversation that he lost the race against Noon. And it was as soon as you mentioned Chris Noon making a squad, I'm thinking, oh, no, I've, I can now mention it to Vinny, you were mentioned in, in Mick Smith's Ultimate Teammates. Well, yeah, you mean I, I would put Vinny in there, but he's just a bit too slow. I've seen him run; he's a bit too slow, unfortunately. So, yeah, didn't make it on that up front. Sorry, Vinny. <laughs> so you've got two defensive places left. Who's got them? Okay, so uh, I will save uh, him to last. I think because I'm probably going to talk about him quite a lot. Chris Brown is my first deep defender. Um, so again, a blast from the past um, for probably many people. Disappeared really off the football scene. Um, Ex Eagles player um, and one of the most blindingly quick people uh, I think I've ever seen. Um, Chris Brown, very very injury prone. So again, actually thinking about it, the person I've chosen for my sub may not be the best choice here. But anyway, we'll go with it. Very injury prone, but I think quite unlucky. I think he had quite a couple of serious injuries with his knee um, and whatnot. Um, really really quiet and unassuming bloke as in we're talking think maybe ed waters and dial it down about 10 notches a really quiet really kind of unassuming bloke but again just just a lovely guy to be around and what a football player i remember um we we kind of staggered i think this was the last year of the sfl it was the last year of the sfl and we kind of staggered into the final i think they had a losing record that year but because um we finished fourth. We made the semi-final, and the um, I think it was the Mildenhall Mayhem was supposed to be there, but they didn't arrive. So we ended up with three teams in a fourteen playoff. So because we travelled 
uh, all the way down to Chichester, we decided that we were going to have a couple of friendlies, um, a couple of warm up scrimmages before before the game to make it worthwhile. Um, and there's a, there's a video somewhere, Martin Williams perhaps still got it, where um, Craig, who played quarterback at that time, threw him kind of almost like a skinny post and he kind of threw it through about three defenders um, and Chris made kind of like a half jump, caught it at full stretch, at full pace ball, absolute bullet of a pass, um, straight into the hands, straight past the safety and into the end zone in about three or four seconds. Just one of the best plays I've seen on, on a football field. Um, and probably the, probably the story that I'll bring out, I, I like my stories about the Eagles old boys, probably the um, for such a quiet and unassuming guy, they're quite polite and, and as I say, not really... Um, you know, never really that vocal coming back into the huddle and everything like that. Uh, there was one game where somebody went for a tackle on him uh, and they pulled his trousers down, uh, pulled his shorts down. Um, uh, and of course, this caused a bit of hilarity on the field. And as he pulled them back up, um, he just said, quick as a flash, he just said, you could have at least bought me dinner first. Um, and I just, I almost died laughing uh, because I'd never heard Chris make a, make a wisecrack like that before. Do you know what I mean? Um, you know, he was just kind of the, you know, the really good player that we had, that we had with us that didn't really say a lot and fell asleep on, on car journeys. <laughs> Uh, really, but um, but yeah, wonderful, wonderful player. Could basically play anywhere. So I talked about the 2009 offense. He started there, but he also started at safety. Um, just he was one of those. I think the we used to call it the free safety position, and it's a bit it's a bit of a weird way of, of describing it. We used to call the free safety position at the Eagles. Basically, we set up the defense to effectively leave your deepest man basically to either take the first receiver out, so the first receiver and the deepest receiver out, but ideally we'd set up the rest of the defence for that free safety to just go and be a ball ball, go and get that ball. And Chris, there weren't many better players doing that, Chris, because of the ground that he could cover. Um, you know, he could just cover the ground so quickly and just make a play on the ball and, and, and break on it. Um, he was great. And as I say, I think when... James Pimperton moved over to offense. James always used to be the top scorer. Chris was always second, because um, just because of his pace, really. You know, he was a uh, he was he was a phenomenal, um, phenomenal athlete. Um, and again, a damn a damn good bloke. One last uh, defensive slot for you. One last defensive slot for me it is the legend that is uh, Mr. Craig Broughton. Um, Craig could arguably have made it in in a few positions um, towards the end of his days with the Eagles, played a quarterback and played phenomenally at quarterback. Just one of those guys that um, obviously had a background in largely rugby, but I think a couple of other sports, I think he may have played uh, cricket as well. He was quite like my uncle um, in that he was... Um, just good at all sports. He was just a good. He had a really good eye for for hand eye coordination. Um, you know, knew the game inside out. I credit him with um, Craig with kind of pretty much teaching me um, how to set up a drill and stuff. He could, he could run drills all day long, and he kind of taught me all the good things that you should do as a coach with a drill. He kind of turned around and said, "Right, you know, in a drill, you only want to be really." one or two teaching points you're only trying to work on one or two things here and he had drills galore um for everything at the eagles he, he was always the one um coming up with the warm-up drills coming up with uh, tackling drills everything um yeah probably one of my fondest memories ironically because I, I don't imagine it was it was a particularly fond memory for him but we we went up to the bull run which was a tournament that the um 
Kakodi Bulls run every year. Uh, and it was a two-day tournament um, uh, held just outside uh, Kakodi. And there was a guy um, who played for us at the time, was one of uh, Nooney's friends, uh, Jamie, Jamie Rafferty. Um, I should actually mention at this point, Jamie actually passed away a few years uh, a few years ago. So uh, very sad. But he, um, he got an injury that day. And he previously dislocated his knee. Um, he previously dislocated his knee and he reported uh, that he felt it kind of pop out and pop back in and uh, and whatnot um, during the game. And so, of course, the first day he said, well, I think you should take him to hospital. So um, did he go in an ambulance? I think he must have gone in an ambulance. Uh, I think he must have gone out. But, but anyway, but Craig said, well, look, we can't leave him up here on his own. We're, you know, we're basically in dumb firm. Um, he said, I- I've got tomorrow off. I'll, um, I'll, I'll go with him. Because of how we travelled up, we didn't have enough space uh, for everybody to go back in the other car. So I was like, well, I've got tomorrow off as well. So I'll, I'll, I'll go. So we went into hospital. It was all fine with, uh, with Jamie and he got discharged. And so we ended up going to the Dunfermline Travel Lodge and booking a family room for the three of us. Um, but um, unfortunately, Craig had um, gastroenteritis. So, um, so Craig spent most of the night either on the toilet or throwing it up, um, and uh, then had his own trip, unfortunately, to uh, to hospital when he came back. So that was a hell of a hell of a trip away for Craig. Um, the local Chinese had given him uh, given him severe food poisoning, and um, yeah, he enjoyed a, a night in a in a triple room with myself and, uh, and Jamie Rafferty. So. Um, yeah, so so I th- again, I think Craig, you know, a bit of an Eagles legend. Um, saw him early this year. He was back in the country early this year. Came to the Eagles reunion, um, and it was just like old times. He hasn't changed at all. He, he doesn't look any different. The last time I saw him, 10, 11 years ago, or whatever it was. Um, but ultimately, he's in here on on the strength of just being a phenomenal player. Um, just you know, he, there wasn't much he couldn't really do um, on, on a football pitch. He was a good uh, he was a good uh, receiver really good quarterback but again as a safety as a, as a sense for the game and, and a sense for a pick and and how to um uh, how to cover a, a a receiver he was uh he was absolutely superb I, it's another one where you're saying eagles legend and i cannot disagree with that at all i mean i think he was there before i started playing which was god i feel old 1997 i think i started playing there and he was there already, and yeah. I, th- I think he was mainly like a a running back type position that he was playing. I mean, when you had so any, anybody who hasn't played nine on nine would not really understand these these names. But we had we had a running back backfield of Craig, Rich Manning, and Chris Manning. Yeah, which was it was scary for any defensive player just for the uh, the strength of Craig and. But he 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 was a big guy, but yeah, he was still really quick. And then when he moved, to he was yeah. I think it's when we started doing more of the five-on-five version of the sport, and he started moving to quarterback. And I mean, you mentioned Mildenhall there. You, so you've obviously played, obviously played against Bob Black, whose drop back was well, there wasn't a drop back, but he would still throw the ball like the full length of the pitch. And Craig was, from what I remember, he was very very similar to that. He was, yeah. Yeah, the, it was always um, the backwards baseball cap as well. Yeah. That, that's yeah, one that's main right. memory of him. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, the, the baseball cap. And when I saw him, I, I met up with him in the, in a bar in Leicester before. Uh, it was around Christmas time. And then we, we, we arranged the, uh, 
Martin largely arranged the reunion. Yeah, he was, he was sat there in a baseball cap and I was like, yeah, you don't change Craig. But yeah, no, he started as a fullback. So he played fullback for the Panthers, um, for the Leicester Panthers, and then played fullback 9-on-9 nine nine for the Eagles. And then, as you say, I think as, um, as we moved on to 5-on-5 five five and maybe John started not playing as regularly as he did, Craig kind of transitioned into the quarterback and and, and in the I've mentioned it before the 2009 year we went all the way to the final and, and lost to the uh, to to the Bulls. His his TD to uh, interception ratio in the regular season was something like 63 to six or something. It was just you know and as I say with somebody like with Chris Brown the previous guy I've mentioned there, you know he would as you say he would literally just take the snap, let Chris Brown get three or four three or four paces into his run. And then he just put it, you know, ten yards out in front of him, and and let and let Chris run onto it, and yeah, he, he could throw the length of field. Just, just yeah, just a, a, a really naturally gifted athlete, a really naturally gifted athlete. Um, yeah, damn good player, Craig Broughton. So you got your your sub. Yeah, so my sub. So so who did I think here? And I, th- I think, as I said, I've got a couple of injury prone players. So so perhaps my choice. But I'm going to stick with it because I, I agonised over this quite a lot. So some of the um, some of the names going through here, I think I mentioned um, Amy Wells and Steph Warren uh, before. So I think um, uh, they they were in consideration. Kelly Barrett was in uh, consideration as well. Um, Lottie uh, Laidler was in uh, consideration as well. Uh, the uh, biggest honourable mention, though, I will give is actually to uh, before I go on to my actual sub is Nathan Stevenson. Nathan played for the Eagles for a number of years. Um, I think he'd probably admit himself in the grand scheme of things, not the greatest of players, but I think he was he was one of the guys that stuck with the club when we were there with only literally some days we would go up with five players and, and he was one of those five players. And if it hadn't been for people like him, the club would have folded about seven or eight years before we actually we actually kind of stepped on the field for the last time. Um, so I think Nathan deserves a mention. But I'm going to go with... Um, uh, the uh, at the risk of being a bit arrogant, the homes to my Watson, uh, and that's Martin Wilder. Um, Martin was when I moved to quarterback through circumstance. Martin basically was my centre. Um, I, I only played fleetingly with Paddy a little bit centre in Paddy's last years. It was basically me and Martin. Um, and and Martin, I've just mentioned Paddy, but um, where I guess I cut my teeth and where I I learned um, how to call a game and everything was from learning from people like Paddy. Um, Martin calls a game only second to Paddy. Paddy is, calls a game better than I've ever seen anyone. Martin calls a game second second to him. He he is a better play caller than I am. Um, I think perhaps I I had a bit more desire to. Um, to kind of get into some more of the the finer details of coaching, um, which probably led me to to develop my coaching a bit more. But there's no two ways about it. Martin calls a better game than me. He can see the game better than I can. And I, I learned. So I think we learned a lot from each other in, in a lot of ways. But um, when I, 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 I guess in the last years of, of the Eagles and for a lot of years in the Eagles, I was technically head coach. I was the registered coach, basically. But it, it was a, it was a joint venture. Um, you know, I would be happy to run a drill. But in terms of uh, in terms of thinking about what plays we're going to run and everything like that, yeah, Martin, uh, Martin is um, is 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 a special talent. He can just see a game so well, knows it inside out, as as is a uh, quite common within within some of the guys that came through uh, through the Eagles. It was kind of one of the things that we instilled. We were never necessarily the most athletic, fastest, the strongest, but we always thought a good game. We could outthink sides. We could set traps, things like that. 
Martin, even even towards the kind of again the last knockings of, of the Eagles, he was phenomenal at that. He could just see things that that I couldn't. You know, he was he was excellent and a massively underrated, a massively underrated player. That I, I, he's got a play called the that I used to call the Martin Special, which was um, almost the, the quick out um, or almost the corner route. Um, and he's he's not he's not a small guy, you know. He's got he's got he's got um, wingspan. But again, he's not the fastest and everything like that. But I would always throw it down on that route to Martin, and the amount of touchdowns, extra points we got from him doing this out or doing this corner, and me kind of throwing it down away from the defender because I knew that Martin would kind of either get on, he'd get, he'd, he'd slide onto his knees, he'd get down with his reach, and he'd, he'd, he'd pick it up. Um, so he was an underrated, a really underrated uh, receiver as well. Really good hands, um, solid player, but just for his, just for the way he um, he called the game. Martin's Martin's got to be uh, got to be my rotation because I think um, when I'm out of ideas, I can uh, I can get him on the field and uh, and uh, and ask his opinion. I mean, I've got to agree with the the center position. But I, I mean. As as a quarterback, you, you have that, for want of a better word, you have an extra connection with your centre. I mean, considering not only, you know, everyone else you can like, rotate around with the centre, you need that sort of connection between them. My my centre growing up was was Paddy. Yeah. And have, having him on the field just to go, this is what the play you're going to do and things like that was great. And so, yeah, you've got you've got the uh, the next be- best one on that one, having the the centre that helps you out. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, th- I think, as I say, you know, the, the, the play calling thing, we, we kind of bounced off each other well, but, but I'm under no illusions that, that, that yeah, naturally, um, uh, he, he, he was a better play caller than me. But as you say, I just think it, that, that connection, and, and we played together for so many years, you know, I, I, you'd end up kind of starting to call these little plays where, where as you probably know, um, the Eagles never really had a playbook. We'd always kind of call things we see, and we always backed ourselves to have enough enough quality players, enough intelligence to just go right. What are we seeing? Let's just call it basically in the huddle. Let's call it at the line. And I started, you know, calling Martin's play at the line. You know, I, I would because I knew him so well. I knew how he was going to route. I knew kind of how long he'd take to 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 get through his stem, to get through his cut, everything like that. And what I could do in terms of with my limited ability at quarterback, what I could do in terms of avoiding the blitz, where I like to roll and everything. You know, there would be times where I'd I'd, I'd be walking up to uh, you know to the line, and I'd be tapping him on, on one of the hips to tell him what route to run. Basically, do you know, what I mean, I'd be telling him I'd, if I tapped him on that hip, it was okay, it was a five yard out. If I tapped him twice on the other hip, it was it was you know a little corner or something. And just having that connection, knowing that he was going to be there, was was great. Um, so yeah, so Martin's Martin's there on the uh, on the strength of when I've run out of ideas, I can ask him what to do. So there's your ultimate team. Excellent. I, I mean, that's a lot of uh, Eagles legends that I see in there. Very very well deserved, especially like I say when you when you mention nine on nine and ESFL. <laughs> I mean, I'm gonna have half the listeners go. What's that? What does that yeah, mean? What are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> what is this nine man of which you speak? I've read about this in the in the olden books. <laughs> I, it, it was great times playing nine the nine. So I actually, in terms of official game, I actually only played in the in the illicit final game, uh, which was uh, we played against the Harriers, the Fen Harriers, um, for the Diana Talon. 
memorial game when it was outlawed, we were going to be strung up and uh, we were going to be lined up against the wall and shot for playing it. Um, so I, I actually joined in the very last season that the nine on nine league was was active. But as I say, you know, just playing it as as kind of a scrimmage with with the guys and everything. Yeah, I'd love to go back to those days. It was just uh, it was just phenomenal. I mean, I, I still think so. So actually, telling a story about Craig in that game. Uh, Craig was our punt return um, and, and they lined up in punt formation and Craig, I was playing corner and Craig said a load of words to me that to this day I they still don't really understand but one of them was end around and we'd never, we hadn't practiced it we'd been practicing for this game for about six weeks or, or you know, two or three hours a week really, really well drilled and he sort of said, oh, you know, do this you know, bump, you know, bump the, the blocker at the line and then do this and then come on the end around so, so the ball was snapped. I, 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 um, uh, I bumped the, um, uh, I bumped, sorry, the, the block of the gunner. Uh, I bumped, bumped the gunner, and then I thought, I'm sure he said he wanted me to come on the underround. So I ended up running away from, uh, from this Fen player, and just kind of ran in a big arc round behind Craig as he kind of took off on this. Um, uh, on this punt return and I think I eventually found um, kind of another block now I still to this day don't know what it was he was asking me to do but whoever the Fen gunner was followed me all the way so it kind of worked he never thought oh do you know what now now that now that this guy's gone within five yards of the ball carrier I'll try and tackle the ball carrier he just ran after me so whatever it was Craig told me to do it, it worked um, but yeah 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 phenomenal game absolutely phenomenal game I mean, I think I played quite a few years of the the nine man one. So I started off as a nine man player, then went because I think at that point the the junior flag system, like the five on five, didn't exist. Mm. And so it was a case of you played senior semi contact and then moved into the flag league afterwards. So I was playing when when we were playing junior football, we'd already be playing. So it was me, John Pimperton, James Pimperton, Haas. And players like that who've been playing senior semi-contact for about two years and were playing junior and, and youth flag foot like five on five. So the, the, the age gap. So when, when you move up into like the youth age group and you'd have like you want you again, you were the, the little kid in the school. It didn't yeah. really make any difference at all because mm. you'd already been playing against full grown adults and you know, randomly been put on a line to try and block a kick for some reason. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it, because I think when I first started thinking about and, and looking at, at playing football, um, I didn't really want to get into the kitted game simply because I, I just didn't think, I don't think as a person I've got the aggression to hurl myself into a tackle and I don't really want to be snapped into by a tackle. I've not really got the build for it. Don't really see it as part of, of the game. But definitely when you're talking about things like blocking and stuff like that, you know, and it's it really does add something to the game. You know, I remember um, I remember uh, being on, was I playing tight end again in a scrimmage or maybe it was it was a training session for this. And and just remember being really proud of like, you know, you know, out lead blocking in front of a, of a running back and managing to put a good block on on somebody coming in and stuff. And it definitely it definitely there's there's something something to be said to it. But uh, ah, dear, we're, maybe we're uh, maybe we're reminiscing too much, Marcus. <laughs> I mean, talking about reminiscing, I have got a question from from the old guy that's normally with us. Unfortunately, can't he's working at the moment. So he's mentioned your your Leicester City star run to the championship, and I think was this two thousand and fourteen? Two thousand and fourteen, yes, yeah. I mean, how did that feel? 
going that 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 sort of distance? Um, how did that feel? Um, I think um, I guess let's let's have a think about really. We'd had, as I say, I think that that four and twelve year that, that could have easily been eight and eight was two years before, um, and I think that was Alec. Simpson's first um, first season, and then the next year he brought down a couple of guys who became a key part of that side in 2014. So Danny Raven came down. I think Danny Seals came down towards the end. We then kind of entered into the next season. The numbers had fallen away a little bit, so I kind of entered the next season a little bit like, well, we'll, we'll kind of see how it goes. And we went to the. We went to the Jets, and it was the last season, I think, of the Jets before um, before that that all um, ended. And we, we beat them on the opening day quite comfortably. Um, and we then beat a, a team that had uh, been formed out of, it was almost a project for media studies or something out of the university. So they were basically a rookie team. And so we, we beat them relatively comfortably as well. So we sat there at 2-0. and not really having any expectations. We'd done what we'd always kind of done for the last few years at the Eagles. We just kind of, we had practiced, but we weren't kind of, you know, we weren't exactly the, the most well-drilled side out there at that point because I don't think many of us were in it for that. Um, and I think just after maybe one or two game days and winning games and winning them quite comfortably, we just had, we just got a huge amount of confidence. I mean, that was 2014 ended up being... Um, by some distance, my best season as a quarterback. Um, and that was because of some of the receivers that we had. I think what I would say is we were blessed with athleticism that season. So we had Fernando, Danny Seals, Alec, um, and we had uh, Paul T um, as well in that side. Martin played basically every game um, as my centre, which, which really helped. And we just kind of got into a rhythm and, and almost a self-belief. And um, we, we, how did it feel? It felt, yeah, it, it was great because I think there were a lot of, we kind of made a bit of a joke about the dark horses kind of tag. But I think the thing that I really enjoyed about that was that we were playing that in a way that all of us, um, we wanted to win um, because almost what's the point in, in playing competitively and in a league if you don't want to. But ultimately, we, we all had a really good time doing it. We were a small kind of close-knit bunch of guys having a, having a really good uh, a really good time doing it. Um, but we liked the fact that nobody really talked about us, if that makes sense. When we kind of got to eight and oh and, and nine and oh and, and ten and oh, we were just sitting there thinking, no one at all is giving us a hope in hell. No one at all is giving us a hope in hell. And we got to the we only lost once in the regular season, which was against the Hurricanes in the last game. Uh we lost the very last regular game of the season to the Hurricanes. Um, and they, yeah, they were just basically a better, well-drilled side against us. But again, we then went into the we had regional playoffs. If you remember that time, we had the regional playoffs before you had the uh, the Brit Bowl. And again, I think so. We came up against the Sharks, um, and I think it was pretty much a full-strength Shark side. And it was just an offensive shootout. We basically just they couldn't stop us scoring for the first half and a bit. We couldn't stop them scoring, and we managed to get a couple of scores. Um, up on them and, and, and held on. Um, but even then, you know, we then went into, we played the Rebels uh, in the next round and the Rebels were without, uh, they were without Calvin. So Calvin didn't play and they were without 
another one of their another one of their their key players. I forget who at the time, um, but again, I, th- I still think everybody had written us off. So I think that the overwhelming um, sense was kind of almost a vindication of one some of the time that people like myself and Martin and and uh, the guys like Nathan that I mentioned earlier keeping the club going that we kind of almost got back to this kind of this final zenith almost of of of, of it was justification for keeping it going and, and stressing about playing with six players and, and everything like that um and and yeah we i think we just played the game in the right way that year we we had a really good uh, a really good time doing it we ended up losing to the they were still the predators i think you're right um uh, we did decide there were the Predators, didn't we? Yeah, the Predators yeah. first time. We lost the Predators in the Brit Bowl semi-final. I think had we had a fit Fernando, um, I think we'd have got a lot closer to him. I think we lost by two scores in the end, two, two maybe three. But we were one point down, I think, at halftime. So we were, we were, we 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 held them um, pretty much up until halftime. Um, so yeah, I, th- I think it was just we. I I look back at that and I think I think um, I just really enjoyed it because. We we nobody gave us a, a, a chance, and I think being the underdog was really really refreshing. It kind of took the pressure off. Really, we just kind of got into a rhythm. We took the pressure off um, ourselves, and we just played with a smile on the face. And and um, yeah, some of the performances that year were were stellar. You know, some some of the when I think back, some of the games we had, we we really really played out of our skins that year. Um, but yeah. So yeah, you you had that big that big year in two thousand fourteen. You basically did the Leicester before Leicester did the year. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when's the comeback for you? <laughs> when's the comeback for me, Marcus? Um, how, how far is it from your house to rugby? Can't be that far. <laughs> it really isn't that far. No, no. Um, I was in rugby a few a few weeks ago. Um, yeah. I, I don't know, Marcus. I mean, I think uh, thinking about something like this and 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 thinking about teammates, that's why I was kind. Of, when I think about, that's kind of why I was in the game. It was, it was for the people around me and 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 um, enjoying it with the people that I do it with. You know, do I miss getting up on a Sunday morning to go to training? Um, not really. Do I miss travelling halfway up and down the country to play? Not really. But do I miss being an eagle? And do I miss being a, 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 a GB Lions coach? I miss it. I miss it dearly. Um, uh, you know, I said that to Martin William early this year after the um, uh, after reunion. Um, I got a lovely text actually from Rich Manning uh, after that reunion, and, and he just sort of he said um, he said I had no idea kind of kept the Eagles going for that long and he said he said good on he said it is phenomenal um you know that you did that and it just that meant so much that um you know that's what I miss I miss the I miss the Chris Noons of this world I miss the Rich Mannings and the Paddies of this world I don't know whether I I uh, you know if I miss the football I've got options to play football but I think I'm a, I'm, I'm a remarkably average football player uh Marcus let's be honest about it you know I, I'm a I really am a remarkably average uh, flag football player. Um, so I don't think there are too many sides um, clambering over themselves to sign me. Um, but yeah, look, I'd like to do something with the Eagles in the future. I think if the Eagles are ever going to do anything again, it, it's likely to be through me. Um, I don't think there's really anyone else that, that would do, which is something I've toyed with, I've thought about. Um, but I think um, 
yeah, it's 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 the it's that teammates, it's, it is that camaraderie and that 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 laugh that I miss more so probably than than just the football. I mean, I I definitely agree, and I think Andrew, you look at Andrew Gambrell's ultimate teammates one, and it it was picked with a bit of talent, but more just for the, the good times that you've had on and off the pitch. As we said before, I mean, I mean, you you remember the 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 good old days of of waking up at seven o'clock in the morning to drive like for three hours yeah. to, go, to go to a, an away game and then play for like three games and then drive another three hours back. And uh, and that's what a lot of the teams were doing back then. I mean, nowadays, I mean, like I said before, last season for, for the Raccoons, we had four away games in Coventry. Yeah. So you don't get that in, in a way. Yeah, you still have great fun on the sidelines and things like that, but you don't get the three-hour drives. And yes, it's good that you don't get the three-hour drives, but you do kind of miss them in in a way. You miss you miss the time with you miss the time with the people. Yeah, you, you know, you, you, as you say, you, do you think you want to be going around the M25 at, 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 at half seven, eight o'clock on a Sunday night when you got work the next day to get home? Maybe not. But do you miss you know two hours in a car with 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 Alan O'Sullivan? Of course you do. You miss it with all your heart. You know, um, you know. But there you go. I don't think I could sit there for two and a half hours with Paddy hurling abuse at me. <laughs> I'd about ten years with him hurling abuse at me. Yeah. But normally <laughs> normally on a football pitch you can move away to the other side. <laughs> Are you looking for a special gift for someone? Are you looking for an award for your end-of-season awards? Are you the chairman of the best UK 5-on-5 flag league based in Northampton, started in 2015, and need trophies? Then look no further than Crafty Signs. Bespoke trophies, key rings, medals, wall signs, they do them all. Check them out on Instagram at Crafty Sign Trophy and on Facebook at Crafty Sign Shop. With your, your questions from the previous guests, unfortunately, you've been lumped with three questions on this one. It, it seems so, yeah. So because Louise and Phil only decided to answer one of Andrew's questions, so you've been left with the other one. If you could have a season where it didn't really matter and you could basically trial any offensive sort of strategies and plans and formations, what would you go for? Okay, so... Um... I don't know whether this is marginally cheating within the semantics of the uh, within the semantics of the question. So um, it's a free year; don't have to worry about winning. And let's assume that my team is still going to be there next year uh, because we're not worried about winning. They're not all going to leave because we've gone zero and eighteen or, or whatever. Um, I would, um, assuming that I had somebody that I backed um, to be a really intelligent footballer. Um, and a really intelligent offensive mind I would take a year where I would only call three offensive routes and I would then have my fourth receiver set I would say to them your only job is look at the defense um, line up where you want to line up or where you think you should line up and bearing in mind you know all of the other routes that are going on run a route that you think is right run a route that you think you will get open in and and you will score points in and everything like that and the reason i would do that is because then even if that player didn't get the ball or even if that player didn't score 
I would then have a year's worth of almost of, of data of a perspective of a receiver, of an offensive player, effectively just trying to use their brain to pick apart a defence. Because I would then take that data and I would apply it to the next season. I would turn around and go, right, okay, what did my star player, my intelligent player last year do versus this defence when the other three routes are this? What am I missing? What am I not seeing? From the sideline, what can I not see? So I think it's marginally cheating because I think I think Andrew maybe wanted me to install a system. Um, but I think in flag with five on with five players, you're only maybe tweaking existing systems in a lot of ways, I would probably say. I think building that that kind of intelligence up over a year where it didn't matter whether you win, lose, or draw, and you could then apply what you've seen um, to the next season, I think would be really interesting. No, no, that's a fair. I'm, I'm going to put you on the spot on this one slightly. Looking at your ultimate team that you've got now, who would be your one oh, now intelligent that good, player? Now, that is a good question because it's, it's, a, uh, it's a team of intelligent players. Um, now, you see, what I would do there... But the problem, no, I could. Okay, so say so yes, this is what I would do. Okay, so this is what I would do. So I would, um, cry, I'd have to change everything around if I did that. Um, I'd ask Millie to do that. I would ask Millie to do that role. I would then probably have to move Craig to quarterback, uh, James onto defense, and um, uh, I'd probably have to bring Martin in, wouldn't I? somewhere but anyway that's it'd be Millie um I would have to unfortunately sacrifice Millie for a year at QB uh get her to play that role and then bring her back when we wanted to win the next year not a bad answer to get out of that one <laughs> so moving on to Louise's question not only so you've had your one year to build up your ultimate team and to work out your your new offensive strategy you're taking them away to the to one tournament. Where where are you going? What's the the rules and regulations of your tournament? Okie doke. So um, mine's relatively short and sharp. Now I've I've never never been to Brit Bowl at uh, Brit Bowl uh, Big Bowl as they mentioned. Um, so um, I hear extremely good things about it, but I'm going to stick with uh, with what's what's been going on in this episode. So I'm going to go to Germany because it always looks lovely there. The, the weather looks excellent, so we don't we we, uh, we don't want anywhere cold. Um, I'm going to have um, I'm going to have proper referees. I think that's uh, I think that's key. Um, I'm going to go back to the days of yore when you used to get scratch teams. Let's get some scratch teams involved, some people you've never heard of, you've never seen in your group. Um, but the bottom line for me is I'm playing nine on nine, Marcus. It's wow. a three or four day tournament to play nine on nine, my friend. I'm, uh, it's, I'm going to use that quote, but if you build it, we, we will come. <laughs> I, I am happy to play nine on nine in Germany. <laughs> oh, Louise, Louise, if you're listening to this, you wanted new ideas for Big Bowl. You can have a, a, a women's tournament going. You can have a men's tournament going. And on, on another day, you're going to have the Big Bowl nine on nine. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, from 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 the last episode, I understand that um, that Lou like really likes the physical side of the game as well. So so she'll be in that element uh, playing nines. This is something I need to sort out now. <laughs> Obviously, you know, 
getting involved with Bath, I'm not going to get involved in that bit. But <laughs> yeah, this is it. Am I still going to be ostracised for saying things like this? I can't remember. I don't know whether there's whether that's still a thing. Um, these are the droids you're looking for. I don't know. Um... <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, it was always a weird one. I mean, anybody who listened to the the nine on nine episode when they heard that you know nine on nine was pretty much banned and yeah. It, it was a weird situation. I, I was, was a weird young, situation. Yeah, I was fairly young at that point, so I just kind of like carried on playing five on five, and it was okay. And I didn't really understand the the politics and things behind it. But I mean, that was that was just something I grew up with, and it just slowly well, it didn't even slowly filter out. It just stopped one year, and that was it. That was it. It, it really did. Yeah, it really did. I remember when I joined the Eagles, I say last year of the nine on nine league. And we talked over the winter, it was like when we start training for the nine on nine league, we start training for the nine on nine league, and then yeah, it was announced it was it was effectively outlawed and, and I think I know part of the story behind it and I understand what it was Baffer was was trying to achieve at the time. But um yeah, it just kind of seemed a bit of an extreme step because they, they as you say, they went to the the point of as I I could be wrong, of, of effectively kind of turn turning around and saying that um that look, if you if you play the nine on nine code, you're going to be precluded from joining any future Baffer League and etc. 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 And it just seemed very very extreme. But uh, maybe I'm misremembering that. But there was definitely it was a it, there, there was there was something put out about yeah if you, effectively it was outlawed. You know, so the the very final illicit game um, was play, basically played in secret. It was we you know we were in contact with uh, with Fen. Fen were in contact with us, but it was it was right. This isn't happening. Basically, it really is. These aren't the droids you're looking for. You know, and, until it until until it was all done, it, it wasn't happening. You know, we, we weren't allowed to talk about it. But hey ho, such is the world. I mean, I think the only person I know who's still really playing, and he, he was a, like a, a long term player before it even started. It's Neil Henderson. Yeah, he he yeah. was the he was the Sharks then, and he, you know he's still there now. And he was he was nine on nine. I, I wonder if you if you build your nine man ultimate team, you can get Neil Henderson to join you in in Germany. <laughs> we'll see. If you're listening, Neil, you've got my details. So you've got your other question, and this one you can obviously know where this one's coming from. What's your favourite memory of Phil? Uh, my favourite, I mean, that's a very easy one. It was the time that we ran in slow motion, hand in hand, uh, down a beach. Um, so, um, yeah, <laughs> I mean, I love, I love fucked bits, I, unashamedly so. So, um, I mean, the the Israel um, game, um, I think I think there was a huge connection between myself and, and Phil and, and, and the players on, on that game. And, and But I felt a huge amount of pride of working with Phil on that game is certainly one. Um, then I think I remember it's a very kind of very small memory. So I think in um, in, in an effort to save money myself, uh, Phil and, um, and and this is kind of a shared memory, I guess, with Andrew. Myself, Phil and Andrew shared um, a uh, shared a room and we watched the Eurovision Song Contest the uh, the night in the Saturday night of a training camp in Northampton. Um, and then I, I got a crack of dawn the next day to, and I ran about seven miles. I went out for a seven mile run and came back to the room and they were both still in bed and I felt like uh, I felt like their dads. That was a that was a weird moment. But um, we, this is it's kind of not football related, but it kind of is. When we went out to um, Sweden, we played Sweden in a friendly out in Sweden. Um, and as 
Phil alluded to in the in the last episode. Um, I won't share too much, but at that by that point, I don't know how much the players knew, but I knew that that Andrew um, Andrew's time was coming to an end. I can't remember whether this was official at this point. I knew that Phil couldn't go to Israel either. Um, I think he was trying to manage that message, but I I knew that. I kind of got the sense that, um, as Andrew had said in his in his episode as well about you know how well I work with those two, I was kind of thinking, well, you know, do I want to stay on without them? Um, is it kind of this? But we we played Sweden in the friendlies um, effectively now, kind of off the clock, and we went back to our hotel. We were staying with uh, Greavesy, uh, Richard was there, and uh, Ellie uh, and Ellie's uh, partner. Um, and we ended up playing, uh, we sat up in the bar and had a couple of beers and we played What Do You Mean? I don't know if you know the game. Um, and um, it, it's, it's kind of a bit like Cards Against Humanity, but you get a picture of a uh, of, of a meme and then you have to match the best card to it and you all vote as to who you think was the funniest. Um, and Phil bought me some phenomenally expensive whiskey um, because everything out in Sweden was, was ridiculously, uh, uh, was ridiculously um, expensive. And we just had kind of two or three hours with, with all of us, just having having the, the, the best laugh. And um, it's, it is a very small memory, and it probably it probably really is play, playing into the um, into the, the bromance side of it. But um, yeah, just I think why <laughs> why why did I work or I feel I worked so well with Andrew and Phil? I think they that we both just got on, or all three of us really just got on culturally so well um and i think they they are lifelong friends of mine now um so it's that's why i guess one of my fondest memories of phil is is kind of almost just something that's semi non-football related because i just yeah he's just he's just a great a great person to spend time with as is andrew and i think all three of us together they are they are lifelong friends of mine and, and um i will get emotional if i try and if i try and describe i think um how how much both of them actually mean to me in in uh, in various ways because we went we went through quite a lot together um and they, they've i think we've all helped each other through a lot they've certainly helped me through a lot of stuff personally i still speak to them regularly um still speak to both of them regularly um yeah so my my favorite memory of phil is almost non-football related it's just having a laugh with with a very good friend of mine basically i mean as we said before it's not always about the on-field stuff that that you remember i mean I mean, I, we, we talked about the the season where you, the the 2014 season, you can remember all that season, but I'm sure there's a lot of like off-field memories that you have that will be a lot bigger than the uh, the final results. Maybe 100%, yeah, 100%, and um, and and yeah, that's what um, that's what I think um, that's what I think is is what makes flag certainly in this country such a um. Uh, such a great sport to be involved in it is kind of that community aspect because um, I don't I, I can I can count on one hand the amount of people that I've met that I just sort of thought I'm not overly sure about you um, and 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 it would take me far too many hands to count the amount of people I just think you know what you're a damn good person you know you really are so um, yeah so one last question from me and what that is what is your question for the next guest unfortunately i have no idea who this will be so you can't, <laughs> you can't even tailor it to them okay so mine is you need you can't go international with this well you could but you might just get a bit of a, a non-plus answer so um in a similar ilk to lou's question um when what where do you see as the zenith for flag football in the uk so i guess what i'm trying to say there is um 
flag football has come such a long way from when I started. Um, if you look at the five-on-five five game when it came back under Bath, there was something like eight teams or something like that, seven or eight teams. There's now, what is it, topping 50 now, something like that? We're close yeah. to, I think we're just over that now. Yeah, so something like that. What, where, where, where does the next guest see it going? You know, what do they view as the zenith for flag in this country? Are we at the zenith? Is it still growing? Is it, you know, what does that look like? Um, does it have an element of commercialism in it? I don't know. Does it have an element of, um, you know, um, the school system being developed? What does that look like in this country for my next guest? So I've done this with everyone else. What, what would your answer be if this was your question? Um, very, very good question uh, to ask me. Uh, whoever asked you that is a very, very intelligent person. Um, so I think um, I, I think that um, effectively, if if flag football retained the accessibility that it is historically had, if it if it retained the um, ability of small groups of friends because a lot of players are kind of community clubs in the best sense as in they're started by a community first and foremost uh, and then become a team so we're thinking of uh, of the the eagles as they were we're thinking of the cougars certainly you know vpp people like that you know groups of uh, the westerns again uh, you know western uh, supers are um a kind of a small close-knit group of guys aren't they um if it retains that and it retains the accessibility and there aren't any barriers to entry, um, then I personally think that the league system and the league structures can kind of take on whatever form that community thinks best. I feel like what they've got right now, I think that the balance of football, the balance of travel that has, that has been struck right now is is astonishing i think it's brilliant i think it's it's enviable um i have to say i think um alan alan young in, in his last few years as as uh, as coordinator has done a great job on that front you know kind of the way he's uh, he's worked on the finals day you know he took on him and the committee kind of took on the um the advice and and what a few people in the community were saying around why do only these many people get finals day well okay we make finals day bigger stuff like that is great for me um my worry with continuing to grow that league structure and continuing to expand that and to make that more professional and to make the top level of that game better and more athletic and more competitive i don't i worry that you're going to put in too many barriers at the bottom level um so maybe i'm cutting off my nose to spite my face there because maybe that's going to prevent too much of that growth and maybe that's going to inhibit it i don't know um but you know i, I look at you look at Big, you know, the biggest team sport really in the country is, is football. And if you've got a squad of 15 or 16 players who all want to play together, soccer, I mean here, sorry, um, it's not difficult to join a league. It's not difficult to join a league on Sunday. Um, and yet it's a huge structure that goes all the way up to the multi-million pounds of the Premier League. Um, I I think that flag, whatever it becomes, has got to retain that uh, that lack of barriers to entry at the bottom because there are many other sports that that um, that don't put those in. And I do worry that sometimes um, there are a few um, or there's, there's there's opinions that come in about about this that make a few barriers that don't necessarily need to be there would be what I'd say. Make it easy to start. And then and then if you can get in, if you can if you can be a, a side that joins with seven or eight people and do OK and continue for a few years, 
the, you know, the world is your oyster in terms of, of whether there's 50 teams or, or 1,500. I mean, I understand with the accessibility side of it. I mean, you, you look at every sort of sport, apart from probably, say, like soccer, you, you need a lot of equipment and the, the field and everything else. And, and obviously, when, when you've seen some of the fields that we've played on in the past, yeah, they're not always the, uh, the fully marked out stadiums that you, you get in some of areas. It, it is... And and to use the uh, the episode name, it's jumpers for pylons. Yeah, and, and that's, that's all you've got, and that's uh, it's sort of all you need to start off with those ones. I think the growth is always going to be a big thing. I mean, we mentioned it on the live episode about a at the moment we're a two tier league. It that's that 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 second tier. I mean, look, you look at the Coventry Cougars from a couple of seasons ago. They lost every game in the Premiership apart from one. Mm. They got relegated. They won every single game in Division One, and got promoted. And it so it's that it's it is going to be that that barrier between the, the next step up. And if, if you know if we can expand, and we've got enough teams to do it, like you said with the travel as well that's been cut down, no more travelling from Leicester to Woodham at <laughs> six o'clock in the morning. Yeah, yeah. So, but it, but it's um. Yeah, I mean, I think I think the the, the thing about the field, I know as well, because that's something that we um, we discussed on um, uh, on on a, on, a, on a podcast with with Andrew before. I think when I think back to to the Eagles, what were my outgoings? It was registering the team, right? I take in some subs from from the players. It wasn't much, um, but then my outgoings were, were getting a pitch from the council, which used to cost us about hundred quid a year. Now I'm not saying that everyone's got that you know ease of getting that but there are options out there to not have to play on you know plowed fields and everything like that you know you you know you can do something when you think about relatively speaking how much you're trying to source something like that costs there are options out there you know you know football for example soccer uh, so to differentiate soccer you know a a load of those a load of those clubs obviously hire pitches off the council now i'm again i'm not saying that there's necessarily um, going to be these options there, but when 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 we stopped having as the Eagles, when we stopped having access to Belgrave, uh, for example, I just approached Leicester Council and I said, "We train on Vicky Park casually. Can we have a pitch in the summer? It's not going to interfere with soccer." And they said, "No, because you reseat the pitches. But if you're willing to go to Wigston, you can have a perfectly good pitch that we'll mark out for you for a hundred quid at this park." Now, I don't want to underestimate. You know, I know some people are going to run into things like that, but you know, basic things like that of providing a pitch with some changing rooms and, and everything like that. I don't think I don't think is that much. Um, I do think perhaps it starts to get a bit too much when when you ask a group of of six or seven people to um, uh, to start putting financial stuff in and, and things like that. Some of the stuff that I've seen of late, I think that's a bit uh, that will put people off. Um, even if even if there's assistance and help there, it just seems a bit unnecessary. No, like, I, I understand that one, and I do agree. It's 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 always going to be finding that 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 bar- one of the barriers. So the the difference between almost like the pro teams of flag football and your, for want of a better word, Sunday league teams. Yeah. So you yeah. mentioned the Western Supers, which were, I think there were five people. I think yeah. there were five or six players last season that just turned up consistently and they, they became Division One champions. At 2014, Leicester, you had about five or six people that were consistent. Yeah. 
and then yeah, you know, you've got those ones that will have those great runs, and it's it, it's. I, I I I like. I've spoken to Carl a few times on on the episodes and out often as well, and I like what he's trying to do. I, I think sometimes he's kind of not pressured, but he's got like certain things that he must do with within Baffer to to meet Baffer's criteria, and I think that's in a way that they sort of look at it as. And they, you have to run it the same way as a kitted team. Mm. So you look at a kitted team; they've got how, however many people they've got on their on their squads, and they've got to keep the bank details and they've got to keep everything like that. Flag, it can be done with with five guys and, and a football, and that's it. Yeah, and and I think look, I'm sure that that um, there's there's rhyme and reason behind everything, and and, and I like to think uh, something that Phil uh, a phrase that Phil has uh, used around me a few times is kind of thinking charitably um about situations i'm sure that that a lot of it is is um it is well-meaning but yeah wh- wherever it's, it's certain things are coming from as you say and, and and i couldn't comment possibly on on any pressures or otherwise you sometimes i do just sort of think you need you, the, the 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 organization perhaps at large or or maybe needs to take a step back and just think okay how does this look you know, if, if I was looking to join effectively what should be the most accessible code of our game, how would this look to the outside? You know, compare this to compare this to living next door to a village cricket uh, side who you can probably just approach in the bar after a game and say, can I come down to nets next week? Do you know what I mean? How does that look? Uh, you know, but yeah, it, it's, it's one of those. So perhaps, uh, perhaps, um, yeah. But yeah, what, what does it look like? What does that Zenith look like? Where where can flag go and what 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 are the teams doing? What what does the code of the game look like as the peak of flag football in this country? Should be a, a good one. I'm going to I'm going to try and pick out a special guest for this one because this could be, <laughs> be a good question for them. So yeah, Mick, thank you for joining us. Thank you for taking a long trip down memory lane, and it is yeah. it's been a good one. I like this squad. Thank you very much. No, it's been an absolute pleasure to be on, and it's been, you know, what's been really good fun thinking of, uh, of, of, you know, the rejection list is is great. Again, there's so many stories associated with the rejection list as well. So it's been really good. Thank you for having me on. A new form of therapy, I think. <laughs> so cheers for that, Mick. Uh, well, hopefully, we'll see you back on the field soon. Maybe in the uh, the orange and grey that you're currently wearing there. <laughs> who knows if you've got if you've got the details of my agent uh, her name's poppy and she's three years old so uh so have a word i'll put a call in tomorrow <laughs> that wraps up this episode find us on facebook at first and 15 podcast give us a like to keep up with all of our shows also check out our sponsor nuola for all your customized sportswear supplies